0: Today's guest is Ed Everts, who's the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development, a Boston-based coaching organization. He's also the host of the weekly podcast, Be Brave at Work, which you got to check out as soon as you are done with this episode. We'll be talking about self-awareness today. We'll be talking about leadership today, and more importantly, how do you nurture a culture at your work? Of bravery and people being willing to be honest and transparent. More in this episode. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We're sitting down and we're talking about one of my favorite things. We're going to be talking about leadership a little bit today. We're going to be talking about something that it might even scare you a little bit, We're talking about self-awareness today. That person, when you look in the mirror, is the person you see actually the person that you are. And what you perceive yourself to be, the person you perceive yourself to be at work, is that the same person that everyone else perceives you to be? We're going to be talking about that more in detail today, and especially your leadership style. And how do you get people to really perform and produce what you want them to in your business. All of that's in our episode today. I'm sitting down with Ed Everts today. He's the founder of Excellius Leadership Development, and he's also the author of Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success. He's the author of another book called Raise Your Visibility and Value, Uncover the Lost Art of Connecting on the Job. And you know how much I love fellow podcasters. He's also a podcast host of a weekly podcast called Be Brave at Work, where he chats with everyday people and talks about, hey, what do you need to be? What needs to be said in the workplace, and what needs to be done more effectively? What the heck are you waiting on? Go check out that podcast as soon as we're done today. Ed, it is so great to have you on the show today.
1: Thanks, Blake. I'm uh, thrilled to be here with you.
0: So, Ed, uh, this is a topic that I am just, I I can't believe to have you. I can't believe we have you on the show today. I mean, you you have so much insight to share on this topic. I think. It's interesting. Many of us, we all know what it's like to have a bad boss, for example, but we rarely see ourselves as that bad boss. And so I'm excited to get some new insights from you today and really think about what makes effective leadership and 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 how do you become more self-aware? So it's great to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit. I gave sort of my spin on who you are and what you do for a living. Tell me and the audience more about who are you and what do you do?
1: Well, thanks again, Blake. Uh, You kept it simple, which is how I like to describe myself, but I really focus on three areas. One-on-one leadership coaching, which is working with successful leaders on how to build their self-awareness, which I'm glad we're talking about today, so that they can self-manage more effectively. I'm also a team coach, so my clients are not the only individuals that need to be more productive and effective, and all of us are on dozens of teams, and sometimes we're on teams and we don't even know it, and there are ways to be more productive and effective to ensure the time we're spending together is more useful. And then I do what I would call small business strategy, which is working with smaller businesses who are at a pivot point, either due to new geography or new uh, clients or new products or services and really don't know where to go or how to scale in order to grow effectively. And so that's most of the type of work that I do with clients today. And I just want to pick up on your you know, brilliant observation about self-awareness because we do wear... And other uh, uh, people who specialize in this area would tell you that we do have multiple faces or multiple heads that we wear. And there's the person we think we are. And there are the people that, you know, the person other people think we are. And really building your self-awareness so that you're as close to how others see you as much as you see you is so important in order to be an effective leader in the workplace.
0: Hmm. Let's dig into that a little bit. Let's just go ahead and dive into this conversation. Harvard Business Review put out a study, this would have been a few years ago, that essentially just totally butchering and making it overly simplistic, but they basically, out of this study they did, said that at the minimum, uh, only around 10% of people are actually self-aware, where, to borrow your words, the person we think we are versus who we actually are, uh, only 10% of us have a keen awareness of that. What, what's going on there? Why, why, why are we more self-aware?
1: Well, not to get overly complicated, but one of the first things that needs to happen in order to be self-aware is recognizing that you need to be self-aware. And that's where that uh, formula is created, right? Because most people believe they're the best person they can be. They get up every morning, they look in the mirror, they don't say, oh, I'm going to be a terrible boss today. They believe they're going in and they're going to have a great day. And maybe it's a tough day. Maybe it's an easy day, but you know they believe they're going to be the best person that they can be. So they don't really realize that they need information in order to build their self-awareness before they even start building their self-awareness. And so people uh, from time to time uh, have an issue at work, a relationship at work, You know, something's happening that's demonstrating the gap that exists between where they are and how others see them. And that's oftentimes why a coach or somebody else might work with them to help them, I don't say close the gap, but you know, make the gap a little bit tighter between how they see themselves and how others are experiencing them. You cannot self-manage effectively unless you have high clarity on how others experience you. We've all worked for people who have low self-awareness and they're very hard to work for because how they see themselves and how they operate and how others experience them, there is a huge gap. We've also worked for people who are great to work for. And it's not because they're a nice person or an easy person, but you know, oftentimes their self-awareness is very high and they know what they're good at, they know what they need help on, and they're not ashamed and uh, embarrassed to talk about those things and work very hard to ensure that everybody has a great work experience. And so I would quote another statistic for you, Which is uh, something I saw in Parade Magazine a few years ago that said, if asked, you know, between the ages of forty to fifty, would you be doing something different in life than you are doing today? And seventy percent of people said yes. So even at a younger age, our self awareness is so low, we start following a career that isn't, upon reflection later in life, what we want to do or where we want to be or who we are. Right. So self awareness. I wish we taught in high school. On how to be self-aware, so that the journey you follow in life is more consistent with your reflection later in life as to who you are, where you've been, and you know what you've done uh, professionally.
0: So, do you think that's the the reason for the gap? Is we just there's not like a deliberate uh, teaching of it, explaining of it? I mean, to your comment of of people who uh, or that Parade magazine example, um, I think about you know when I was in college. Uh, many of my friends who went on to get their degrees ended up doing a profession that was totally different from what they got, myself included. Uh, I got a biology degree and I went to go be a high school teacher. And I did that for a few years and I do something, I don't do anything related to science today. Uh, And so I was in, I was in college for a direction that I ultimately was not interested in doing. So is it, is it a lack of formal education on how to be self-aware or, or, or what have you seen in your experience?
1: Yeah, based on my experience and you know, I wanna be clear, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a sociologist, I haven't <laughs> sure. studied this independently, but what I can, what I can tell you from my experiences, is, which is 25 years in corporate America and then 13 years as a leadership coach, that there is a significant absence in earlier in life and helping people be more self-aware on where they want to go and what they want to do now you know uh, you know it's almost as if uh when you're going to college right there's an expectation that you have to sign up for a major and you know kids today as kids did when i was going into college didn't know what they wanted to be or what they wanted to do so they either through peer pressure or parental pe- pressure picked something right so you know i don't know what age you have the clarity that you need in order to recognize where you need to go or what you need to do, I would just tell you as an observer that our culture lacks any emphasis, focus, or direction on self-awareness, as well as personality preferences as to why we're different people. You know, there's a lot of work out there as to the fact that we are all different people with different personalities. And the more we learn about how other people operate, the the better we can Uh, connect with them and work with them so we have low attention and focus on self-awareness which is for ourselves and then low focus and attention and education on personality preferences which would help us connect better with others it it seems and that's uh, why we're employed (laughs) right because (laughs) you know there's such an such an absence that later in life they need help
0: uh you know Thinking about needing help, I think about the person who, for example, uh, maybe their best employee quits. And in talking to the employee, the employee said something like, you know, yeah, I really enjoy it here. Or I enjoy doing what I do, but I can't work for that person anymore. Or I, I just, I'm really unhappy working for my boss. And it seems like we, we have these moments of, um, I guess, pain points, if you will, where we're sort of clued in to... Okay, what I perceive and what is actually happening are very different things. You know, talking to a woman, for example, where um, she had a staff of nine people and over the course of a year, all nine quit. And as we were talking, she said, well, you know, millennials are just really hard to uh, manage these days. And I said, yeah, I've heard that before. Um, But have you considered that if all nine of your employees quit, that maybe there's something more to it than that? And I was thinking about how, you know, we're giving like these data points of realizing it's sort of like um, seeing outside the blinders, I guess. And it seems like some people are really, uh, I don't know the phrasing, they're, it's easier for them to see the breadcrumbs of, okay, something's something I'm doing isn't working here versus the person who's been giving the breadcrumbs are there. I mean, they're getting maybe even hit in the face with... You know, people are basically saying you're a terrible boss without saying that. And for whatever reason, I mean, I remember there was a guy who um, his employees did a anonymous review of him. And one of his employees said, you're not just a bad boss, but a terrible human being. And I asked him, what did you think about that? And he said, I think I need to fire that person. And he's like, if only I knew who it was. Right. And so he's getting hit in the face with a major potential moment to realize hey this this is an opportunity to grow in your self-awareness but instead he's not able to see it have you noticed any kind of character trait or something to do with someone's background or upbringing or the environment that they're in that allows them to be more open to those moments of sort of like those aha moments of self-awareness you
1: know blake i don't think there is any consistent reason or experience or nurturing type of environment that leads people to believe or be a certain way you know unfortunately not only do we lack self-awareness building i don't even want to call it training but just awareness of self-awareness and who you are what you like you know somebody loves chinese food i don't know why they like chinese food but for some reason in their dna They love Chinese food, right? So, you know, there are reasons that we are the way that we are. But unfortunately, the worst person to provide analysis on yourself is yourself, Mm. right? Because you can be very distorted in Mm. respect to what you're experiencing. You know, I'm a fledgling golfer, and uh, I'm a little bit better than my best friend. And, you know, every time he hits a bad shot, he does a quick analysis as to why he hit that bad shot. And I'm sitting there saying... No, that is not the reason you hit that bad (laughs) shot. So, you know, he's the worst person to be saying, here's what I think, because, of course, you have reasons to be protective and sensitive and generalized in respect to what you're doing. And so, you know, one of the solutions that maybe we could provide to listeners is that if you want to know more about how others experience you in the workplace, there's a number of things that you can do, but one of the things that you can do is don't do self-analysis. Use either a tool or another person who can observe you and say, hey, at the end of this meeting, Blake, I want you to provide me two minutes of feedback on what you liked about what I did and what you think I could do differently to be more effective. And I want you to be candid and honest. So don't hold back, be respectful. You always have to be respectful, but tell me, right? That's a great way for somebody to say, hey, here's what I think you did in the meeting that was terrific. And here's some things I think you did at the meeting you should do differently next time in order to have a better outcome. Now I've got something that's real time And now I've got something I can act on repeatedly that will help me. But if I look at the meeting myself, I might leave saying, wow, what a great meeting. I think I did everything beautifully, right? When in reality, there might have been some things that you could have done differently to be more effective.
0: Let's run with that and talk a little bit more about that. This concept of being more candid in the workplace and um, having people around you who can be truth tellers what I have seen happen is that many businesses will talk about how candidness is a, is a value of theirs. They are open and honest. Uh, maybe they, they might even say they're like a family. And then when you actually get into conversations, it seems like more often than not, those honest, direct conversations aren't happening. Uh, And I've noticed that a lot of times people think that candidness means like rudeness or tactless or anything like that. But like really what I'm referring to actually what you're talking about, which is there's sort of like this um, laying ego down and I genuinely want to get better. So let me know uh, what I'm, what I'm not doing so well. And I'll never forget a woman that I was talking to who was talking about how ineffective one of her team members was and she was kind of just really um, sort of complaining about her employee. And I said, well, have you, have you thought about telling her? She goes, oh, God, no. Because <laughs> she just didn't. It. it was too uncomfortable. It was too um, awkward. Uh, what have you seen in businesses that, that seem to handle candidness really well? Uh, what, what does that work environment look like?
1: Well, you know, we seem to be hitting a uh, cycle of things that we have trained people really bad to do in life. So we've talked about being more self-aware. We've talked about recognizing personality preferences. And the third thing that we have done zero training on in junior high school and high school and college is how to be candid. You know, Who would not want somebody to provide them feedback that can help them be better? I mean, if there's something I'm doing that I should stop doing or do a little bit differently, I would want to know it. But unfortunately, we have not trained people on how to enter into that conversation effectively and so it takes an environment that has what specialists would call psychological safety which is an environment that's created and it is discussed openly that allows people to say what's on their mind and as you were saying earlier about be brave at work say what needs to be said or do what needs to be do what needs to be done without feeling that they're getting judged or belittled Or laughed at that if I don't understand something or if I need you to repeat something or if it's different than what you said last time, you know, I should raise my hand and say something. But unfortunately, that's not what most organizations have done. So organizations that are better at it, and I'm not saying they're not out there, but I've not come across an organization that's, you know, in the 10th version of this and is doing it, you know, masterfully uh, are organizations that talk about the need to be candid. And as you mentioned, lots of companies talk about it. They role model it right? So from the top down, they demonstrate candor respectfully with others. Mm -hmm. They recognize it. Hey, I want to thank Blake today. He said something that I think was very difficult, but that we all needed to hear, and we really appreciate that. And then they reward it, right? So either at the employee of the quarter or in some fashion, they recognize people who are more candid and braver. You always have to be respectful. Candor that is not respectful will not be listened to. So Uh, you know, it's important to do that. So organizations that do it, role model it, recognize it and reward it.
0: And it it seems like there's a very practical element of this, of, um, you know, if you're a a manager, for example, what does it look like as a manager of a small team to not only um, say that candidness matters, but to actively encourage it? Does that mean um, checking in with your team members and, and honestly asking them, how the state of the business is going in their mind, how you're doing? I mean, what are what are some of the ways that people can tangibly encourage that candidness with their team?
1: Yeah, the most effective thing that I've seen an organization do is uh, not attempt to do it in the moment. Because if you say in the moment, hey, how are we doing? You know, everything is starting to throw uh, fall through my mind. And do I want to say something? Do I not want to say something? Do I want that person to go first, right? So, so many things fall uh, on the table that it makes it very complicated to be candid. So organizations that want people to be candid give advance notice. And so they'll say, hey, everybody, thank you so much for your time at the meeting today. Next week, I want to talk about one or two things that we could do differently as a team to be more mm-hmm. effective. And I really want everyone to be candid, I want everyone to be respectful, but I've got to believe as a team, there are at least one or two things that we could be doing more effectively. So everyone think about it and then come back next week and we'll pick a person to go first and we'll go around the table. I'd love everyone to have a thought. And that helps people who have a preference for introversion because they need to think about it a little bit before they raise their hand. And the likelihood of you getting, you know, even if everyone doesn't participate because somebody is just too shy or too embarrassed or doesn't trust the psychological safety of the team, you'll still get enough of it that you can start recognizing it and saying, hey, great job at the meeting. I think we generated some great ideas. I look forward to continue doing this so that we continue to be candid. And you really like, need to build upon it as you continue to lead and manage that team.
0: It seems like as, as a leader, it really takes being comfortable with um, being challenged and with Uh, being vulnerable with how you are making mistakes as a boss. Because it seems like often whenever someone is vocalizing something that's inefficient with the business or just flat out isn't working... I'll speak for myself. It's not uncommon that I tie that then to how I've done as a boss. And I think, well, you know, that must mean that you're, you're challenging me or you're criticizing me. Uh, I remember one meeting I was in where um, the boss effectively said, Hey, we are going to be candid here. Tell me like, what's not working for you. And for the next probably half hour, employees were saying, yeah, this is really challenging for my day to day business. And after the meeting was over him and I were talking and he said, wow, that could not have gone worse. And here I am thinking I, that could not have gone better. You just got an honest dialogue with your team members. But he, it, it was challenging for him to really be comfortable with um, not necessarily complaining because it was all, it was all uh, constructive, but seeing the value in having that open dialogue of how the business wasn't working for everyone. Um, I don't know. I, it seems like there, there has to be a comfort with that vulnerability.
1: Well, that's the role modeling piece that I mentioned earlier, that as a leader, you not only have to role model being candid with others respectfully, but you also have to role model getting feedback. And, you know, it's the old uh, 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 court case point for attorneys, you know, never ask the question that you don't know the answer to. So, you know, don't ask. Can I get feedback and then suddenly get a ton of negative feedback and say, oh, my God, what a terrible question. I should never have asked it. I mean, uh, no leader should expect at any time that there's not anything that you could be doing differently to be more effective. And you'll notice that I'm phrasing it more future focused. Don't tell me what we're not doing. Don't tell me what we're doing bad. Tell me what we can do differently in order to be more effective. And that way we're being more future focused and more positive about what we should do and not feeling as though you're beating up somebody at a meeting because something that happened last week you didn't like and embarrassed you, et cetera. I mean, those are good for one-on-one conversations where mm-hmm. you might say, hey, I just wanted to share something with you. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you know, the comment that you made at the meeting last week I think might have been offensive, right? So you can have those type of one-on-one conversations with people, but these are important questions to ask Blake of people at meetings. Again, I'm a big fan of advance notice. You know, if I say to everyone, hey, uh, we've got a few minutes in the meeting today. What kind of leader am I? Right? I mean, you're just not going to get great feedback <laughs> you know, if you give people a couple weeks to think about it and come prepared to tell you not only what you do well, but what you can do differently to be more effective. Your likelihood of being able to handle it and getting better feedback is increased significantly.
0: We're talking about a couple of different things today. We've talked about uh, candidness in the workplace. We've talked about self-awareness. When you think about just the ultimate boss, like the boss that everyone aspires to be, and I I think, I I believe that the majority of people in leadership positions, they genuinely want to be that effective boss. Uh, When you think about the qualities of that person, do you have a quality in mind that is one of your favorites in terms of what makes an effective leader?
1: Absolutely. You know, I do consider myself to be a leadership expert. So, uh, you know, this is something I've been studying for the last 13 years and did for a number of years. And, you know, like you had said earlier, uh, I look back on my job as a boss and I'm a little bit of a head scratcher. I don't know that I ever did a great job leading <laughs> others. I was a little bit way too much of a micromanager. But, you know, I think of bosses having two sides one is the what they do. And that's whether you're an attorney or a pharmaceutical engineer or a manufacturing expert, you know, that's the technical side of the job, right? That's knowing the processes and the technologies and the information that's needed to do it. The side I work on and that is of more interest to me is the how you lead, right? Can you motivate others? Can you keep people inspired? Can you create a team that does great work? You know, that's the how side. And you know, I believe over the last few years, the three qualities that you know, I believe all leaders must demonstrate on a recurring basis to be effective is curiosity. They need to ensure that they are curious about what other people are doing and why they're doing it. If you're curious, you then the second one is you have to be a great listener. And so you have to listen and not do what we do. You know, that's another thing we've never been trained uh, at school to do, which is really how to listen effectively. There are a million webinars and people who train today on how to be a great listener because no one else has done it in the past, right? So, you know, you need to be curious, you need to be a great listener. And then the third one is that you have to show empathy. And, you know, I believe empathy is the word of the decade and it's starting a little soft right now. And it feels a little touchy feely for corporate America, but I will tell you, it's a strategic behavior on the part of leaders that they need to demonstrate empathy in order to build relationships. And when you have great relationships, Anything is possible professionally in respect to what you want to do and how you want to do it. So you asked for one, I gave you three, curiosity, (laughs) listening, and empathy. I think all leaders need to possess along with the what they do in order to be very successful.
0: But well, it's it's a, just the, even thinking of one of those things, it's a lot for one person to manage in the sense of, you know, if I come into a job and I'm not a very empathetic person, to grow my capacity to empathize, that's a, in many cases, can be a really big personal challenge. Uh, Do you feel like leaders today are getting equipped to actually lead? I mean, we've had sort of this running theme of, uh, you know, that hasn't been modeled with us. We haven't, we haven't really been trained that before. Um, There's also quite a bit of data out there on how today's leadership consulting industry uh, companies are spending more money today on leadership consulting and outside training for their, for their managers than ever before. And yet people are continuing to quit their jobs in droves because of bad bosses. We just came out of, for example, the the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, there is horror story after horror story from people who share how their boss treated them, uh, how their company made them feel. Uh, And even though at the time when we were in the middle of the pandemic, many people were thinking, I just need to keep my job. It seems like there are, there is a, in fact, we've even seen it in the news of these different worker shortages where people are being a bit more um, selective on where they choose to work. So, all that to say, what's the disconnect between all the training we seem to be doing and providing for managers and leaders and yet people continuing to be unhappy with their bosses?
1: Well, there is no secret recipe that will solve it. But what I would tell you is that, you know, from my experience, and again, I've not done research on this, but, you know, from my experience, we are significantly preparing leaders uh, to be leaders. And we are doing that in an environment where people are moving through the org chart faster than ever before. Wow, I used yeah. to talk about the old IBM model where you started in the mailroom and 40 years later, you retired as the SVP as a sales all at the same company. Hmm. Today, people move and they accelerate. And because they accelerate faster through the uh, job ladder at work, they're less prepared for the direction they're going. And so we're spending a lot of time on the what you do and not en- enough time on the how you're doing it. So, you know, from my perspective, uh, that's why all these consultants exist. That's why all these books exist. That's why all these webinars exist and training and assessments is to help leaders become better leaders. I, I wish I had a nickel for every company I've worked with who in the first five minutes of talking with me said, oh, Ed, and by the way, we've provided no training to our leaders at all. And I don't know if any of our leaders have ever had any training. Wow. And I'm like, OK, this is going to be a big ask, right, because they have just grown up in their company or have, you know, moved through the company in such a way that they're so focused on goals and client relationships and delivering revenue, mm-hmm. that they don't spend enough time, which they should be doing on each other.
0: Mm-hmm. I think what bothers me about that comment is I remember working in a job where I I, I had that horrible boss. And I remember it being Sunday night and I was sort of delaying going to sleep because I I was so uh, agonized over having to go work in this business. And I I even remember, which is so bizarre now in hindsight, I remember even driving to work and thinking, okay, what if I could get into a car crash, but not be like permanently injured, but just enough (laughs) injured where I wouldn't have to go work for these people uh, because it, it felt just extremely toxic, and so for me, I, I think about you know the business owner or leader says yes, we haven't we haven't adecu- adequately trained our people, and I understand that. But what I really empathize with is the everyday person who their job is a huge source of frustration and disappointment and um, unmet needs, and it's 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 very sad to me. I don't know. It's just, it's something that I I wish was different. Uh, And maybe that's, this is a great segue into your podcast. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the podcast, because I know that there's, there's um, a bit of the backstory of the podcast is this concept of saying what needs to be said and doing what needs to be done. And, um, you know, I I know there's people listening who maybe they even want to be a bit more candid with their boss on, hey, the way you're acting isn't productive to my work style or or frankly, you are you're bullying your staff people. I mean, those honest conversations are really hard to do from the bottom up. Um, tell me more about the podcast and how you created it, what it looks like, and really the premise of it.
1: So we started Be Brave at Work in December of 2019. And the concept was to help business professionals learn more about how to be braver at work, how do you say what you need to say more effectively, or how do you do what you need to do more effectively? And a lot of this came from my experience as a leadership coach and working with clients who all needed to be braver at work. There was a conversation that they needed to have that they have been avoiding, and not doing. There are things that they needed to do that they have been avoiding and not doing. And so when the idea of doing a podcast came up, for me, it was a very simple idea, right? Let's talk about being brave at work. There's research being done. There are books being written. There are instructors who focus on this particular area. Let's try to get them all. And let's talk about being brave at work. And so we welcome anyone on the podcast, because quite frankly, it is my belief through experience that everyone has an experience with bravery at work, that there's always been a moment where I should have said something, but I didn't. For whatever reason, I didn't or I should have done something and I didn't for whatever reason, I didn't. And so it would be good to hear from people who uh, have done research, have studied it, who have had experience uh, regarding bravery in the workplace. And so it's uh, a briefer experience, Blake. So it's about 20 minutes to 22 minutes long. We talk about bravery at work, words and phrases that people think about when they think about bravery. And then most times, not always, people will share a story Uh, that they reflect on either when they showed bravery and the impact that had on their career or I think a little bit more interestingly when they didn't show bravery and something they look back on with regret and regret is a significant impact that people have because sometimes like that boss that you don't like working for uh, you know years later you'll look back and say you know I wish I had said something you know I wish I had done something uh, you know, you regret it. And that's something you carry with you. And there's nothing you can do about it, you know, years later, unless you bump into the bar, uh, into the boss at Starbucks and say, you know, 10 years ago, there's something I wanted to tell you, and I'm going to tell you right now. But uh, so that's the core of the show is really to help people identify with others that who are experiencing what they're experiencing, and hopefully leaving with one or two ideas on how they can make progress at work.
0: So you've, you've just published uh, episode 122. So you've been collecting, I'm sure, an incredible array of stories. Do you have a favorite story on how someone was brave at work?
1: Uh, you know, I, yeah. Well, I have just published 122. I think I just recorded 140-something. And, you know, everybody, and this is what's interesting about the podcast, everybody has a little bit of a different perspective. And so the words or phrases people use, uh, vary from person to person. Uh, not everybody tells a story, but the stories that people have told you know, vary from person to person. Now, I don't think I have a, a favorite story. You know, I think I've had some great guests who have done research on the topic, and so their knowledge isn't uh, rudimentary, but really, really deep. So people like Amy Edmondson, uh, Peter Bregman, who challenged me on the podcast in respect to my definition of bravery and felt he had a different definition that was more relevant. Uh, Timothy Clark, who's created a model around psychological safety. I mean, these are all great people. And if folks are interested in these topics, they can go to BeBraveAtWork.com and all of the podcasts, all of the ones that you just mentioned are available there. And I encourage you to listen to them because I believe if you do feel that there's something that you need to say or something that you need to do that you're not, and you're creating excuses or saying, well, it's just so busy at work, I haven't had a chance uh, it might inspire you to do something that you haven't done in a good and positive way.
0: One last question what what's the reason that someone should feel that sense of ownership? I mean because there's people who for example, the job is a paycheck it's you know I'm just trying to keep my head down sort of take care of myself w- What's the onus of responsibility that someone would feel uh, i I'm r- uh, there's sort of a um I should say something. I should do something. I mean, and not just uh, not even in the situation of sometimes when um for example, a boss is a bully, but when like something unethical is happening, uh, why should someone feel that that reason to be brave?
1: Yeah, it's complicated, right? in respect to the endless number of things that somebody might be experiencing at work that requires somebody to say something. That needs to be said you know i think of it in a couple of words one is proactiveness that you're noticing something or observing something that should not be the way that you think it should be and you may not be right by the way i'm not suggesting because you think somebody could do something differently that you're right and they're wrong but it's important that you explore and talk about it. And so there's a proactiveness to it that I think is appealing to people. And then that's mirrored with engagement, right? That, you know, you believe that you want your workplace to be the best workplace it can be. And that can only happen if people are provided the opportunity to share what they're experiencing. And so you need to work for a boss or have a culture that welcomes bravery, that if someone knocks on your door and says, Hey, Blake, I wanted to talk to you for a couple of minutes about something that I'm currently experiencing in meetings that you facilitate. Are you open to hearing it? That, you know, the person's face doesn't go red and their (laughs) arms don't start fisting and like, how dare you come into my office? Uh, That they say, absolutely. I would love to know that, right? I want to be the best leader that I can be. And I can only do that with that Mm -hmm. type of feedback. So, you know, there's a personal incentive that comes with not looking back with regret. You know, Mm -hmm. if I was to describe what the ultimate outcome of BeBraveAtWork.com is, is to eliminate the feeling of regret in the future. I have those feelings, by the way, and you may as well, that there were situations I encountered or things that I wish I had said or done that I never did for terrible reasons why I didn't do it. You know, none of them are strong, great reasons. And I look back with regret on those, and Mm. I wish I had said something or done something a little bit differently.
0: I appreciate your comfortability with saying that, because I know we live in a culture where there's sort of like this pride around, you know, live with no regrets. And it almost feels like being an emotionally healthy person means looking back and saying, and not that it's, you know, something that, you know, every night when you go to sleep, you're, agonized thinking about it, so to speak, but you're willing to look back and say, yeah, I think I might've done that differently, or I regret how I handled that. And it's sort of our um, motivation for how we deal with things into the future. So,
1: yeah. And and I would just add just quickly, Blake, that for people who are brave, I guarantee you upon reflection, you're going to feel fantastic. There's a delayed response that comes from bravery, which is in the moment, it feels horrifying. And most people describe bravery as this gnarly, challenging, complex thing, but later Years later, somebody says, "Hey, I heard you spoke to Blake about his behavior at meetings." Yes, I did. Oh my God, it was fantastic, right? I mean, and he, right? It's just, it's such a different outcome that's energizing, right? And really builds your confidence and your ability to be a great leader. So, I'd love to eliminate the feeling of regret that people have at work, as it pertains to uh, you know things that they're experiencing, and this is one of the ways that you can do it.
0: Uh, this has been just a phenomenal conversation. I apologize we didn't get to either of the books today, but you've given us so much great insight. And I tell our audience to go, go buy a copy. So for people who are listening, what does it look like for them to connect with you? What's the next step? Uh, what's the best way for them to move forward in even, even maybe hiring you?
1: Well, you can go to my website, which is excelius.com, E-X-C-E-L-L-I-U-S. All the information about Ed Everts is there, the books, uh, the work that I do, videos of some of the topics I talk about, et cetera, are, are all there. So if somebody is interested and wants to learn more, I think that would be a great place to go.
0: Ed, thanks for coming on the podcast today. It's been a real special occasion.
1: Blake, thank you so much. It was great chatting with you.
0: Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put the link to excelius.com as well as be brave at work.com. You absolutely got to check out that podcast. It's going to be down in the episode description below. And hey, if you've been following the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe button or that follow button so you keep getting good advice wherever you're at. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember, you can support the podcast at our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash goodadvice, where you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee, or you can even get your business advertised in the introduction of the podcast. If you want to find out more information, again, just go to patreon.com slash goodadvice. Hey, we appreciate all your support, and we appreciate bringing you some good advice today. We'll catch you later. See ya.